You're live with Get Connected. I'm your host, Mike Agarbo, here with Gray Williams today. We have a fun program. We're going to be talking about smart lighting. Uh, some people I know have uh, dabbled in this. I've got smart lighting throughout my house, and it's been a journey over the past uh, few years. Gray, you're uh, a smart lighting guy, too. I am indeed. I'm a strong proponent of Lutron. That's my flavor of choice. Well, it's your lucky day because we have Lutron on the program to tell us about uh, all their smart lights and uh, switches. So, yeah, they got some new stuff and uh, we'll find out how to make the best of it. And we're going to be talking about just walkout technology. It's something that we've covered before in the program. It's from Amazon. They've got stores uh, down in the United States and over in the UK where you can basically just uh, scan in with your palm or your credit card as you walk into the store and then just grab all the stuff you want and walk out. There's no cashiers. We've had that here. We've had that here in Vancouver for many, many years. It's just they don't have the paying part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you do get billed. You have to obviously register your credit card, like either by scanning it or if you do the palm print thing, which they have in some stores. But it's cool. They've got a store that's opened up in the Saddle Dome in Calgary. And this is kind of cool. Have you been to a sporting event before, Gray, and uh, you wanted to go grab a drink and you go up there and the concessions like got a line that's like half an hour long? Yeah. Well, well, with this store now, you can just basically walk in after you've scanned in, of course, and just grab sandwiches, snacks, drinks, and just walk out. It just automatically builds your cart. It, it just like- you like the theater. Yeah. You're in and out in seconds. But let's get to some of the uh, the big stories. You use ChatGPT, Gray. I do. And we've talked a lot about it on the program. It can do everything, write books, essays, social media plans. It can code. Well, the the next version coming out is going to allow you to actually talk to it with your voice. And it'll actually answer you back in a synthetic voice. Getting a little, uh, little futuristic here, a little creepy maybe, don't you think? Yes, but here's the thing. Working with AI... Right now, where we are is is about basically getting what you are thinking and putting it into words that the AI can understand. What we fundamentally have here is a, a linguistics problem. It feels like um, you know Lieutenant Uhura from Star Trek is needed to kind of translate between what we're doing and what it does. But we're starting to see this with um, you know uh, AI built into some of our personal assistants as well, like um, both the one that starts with A and the one that starts with S. I'm not triggering anybody's home systems at this point. Um, you know, the ability to have follow-up questions like do this, no, not that, do this. And so iterative approach to approach to AI, like, no, I meant this. Uh, I think it's gonna be far more natural when we're talking to it. Because it seems a bit of a struggle right now. You know, if you talk to anybody that's working with this stuff, how do I prompt this thing to do what I want it to do? And sometimes the words that you need to trigger it feels like a treasure hunt. So this to me is like this unlocks a ton of doors. Well, speaking of ChatGPT and their parent company, they're called OpenAI. They are working with uh, Spotify now, and Spotify is going to use OpenAI's technology to let podcasters replicate their voices to automatically create foreign language versions of their shows. So essentially, we could take our podcast and run it through their system and it will use our voices, but like in Danish or French, it'll just automatically translate it over and, and use our voice in those languages. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget the Get Connected TV show was syndicated at one point and it was big in Kuwait. And I always wanted to know why, <laughs> uh, but 
like like looking at this, this has possibilities for a few other things. I'd love to hear me podcast in Japanese or in French, right? I also would think this would be really, really valuable for learning new languages, hearing what that sounds like. You know, there, there are certain uh, syllables like in Mandarin, which it's not natural in English. And, and trying to find that in your own sound is hard, but if you hear yourself doing it. I'm going to bet this speeds up language learning by a vast degree. You know, we're getting to a point where, you know, I, I watch Star Trek. I know you do too. They have the universal translators and they're just, they basically talk and these translators just kind of automatically translate into whatever alien language in real time. I mean, we're, we're getting there, Greg. So the, the interesting thing here is if you hear your own voice saying the words that you are saying at a slight delay, it actually gets your brain to stop working. Like they've got hyper-focused microphone arrays where you can point it at someone and it's a bit like, um, it's a bit like a weapon. You can, you can stop people from talking by impugning their, their own voice with their own words. I wonder how accurate that is if, if you hear your own voice saying something else. It probably doesn't do it as much because the universal translators always got me as like, your mouth is moving like you're speaking English. Right? <laughs> sort of, like, how, how much of a delay are they hearing this? Yeah. Uh, they solved this in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with the Babelfish, which was like a little, I want to say, device was actually an organism that you put into your ear and it changed how you spoke to the language that uh, people were perceiving. It was, it was a psychic thing. So, you know, maybe that's on the horizon. I guess we all get to be, you know, Gene Gray from the X-Men. That'd be, that could be cool. That'd be there for them. Do you play Pictionary? Do I ever. Well, how would you like to play against AI? <laughs> right now, absolutely. In about two years, definitely not. Well, Mattel has announced Pictionary versus AI. Uh, this is a physical board game. Uh, 25 bucks US, but it works in conjunction with an app and your smartphone. And essentially in the board game, it comes with like this little whiteboard and you put your your phone in a, a stand that comes with it and aim it at the whiteboard and the AI will basically try to guess what you have drawn. Cool. This is neat. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated to see how accurate this is. Aren't you? Yeah. Now, now here's the thing. You know, we're talking about using your own voice to learn how to speak new languages. If this could teach more people how to draw, <laughs> I are we all getting smarter because of AI? Well, I I need I need that help because I cannot draw to save my life. Uh, one last story here I want to cover before we uh, get into some of the other topics uh, today, Gray. In uh, New York, it looks like they have really cracked down on Airbnb. I, I use Airbnb a lot when I'm traveling. I, I love the convenience. I love being able to stay kind of in more of a, a home or a condo. I always rent out the entire place. I don't like uh, going to Airbnbs where, you know, the people are still living and I just have the one room. Uh, but, you know, essentially in New York, it's been a big problem. And, you know, we have a housing crisis here in Vancouver and in many other Canadian cities. And, you know, a lot of people say it's because apps like Airbnb and short-term rentals are taking a lot of these condos and, and houses off the rental market. And so Air, Airbnb in New York, um, now they've passed uh, local law 18. And if you want to Airbnb your place, you got to go down to the mayor's office, register, and you have to show that you actually live in that place. And you can Airbnb a room, but you can have no more than two guests in the place. Mm. Yeah, that's they, they basically killed Airbnb. Well, apparently, uh, 
Airbnb listings went down 77%, as you could imagine. So it, here's an interesting thing as well. In New York, they actually have laws on, on the books. I think it was 2017 or 20, 2018, where you could not raise the rent uh, based on uh, a renovation, which you know, stopped rent evictions for sure. But there are folks there who are not renting out their apartments and are just taking the tax loss. And so the apartment's empty. It's doing nothing because they can't raise the rent to the point where it would justify them renovating it and then putting it back on the market. It's really challenging to see things like this where there is housing that's available. And for whatever reason, we can't put it on the market. But you know, as someone who's renting right now, seeing how there's so much drive to get people out of apartments so that they can raise the rent, it's it's a very challenging thing. Like we're, we're at a place where you know, we accept the idea that housing isn't a right, and I think that's wrong. Yeah. But, you know, the laws don't reflect that. Well, things have to change. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to look at smart lighting. Maybe you've been holding off. Well, we've got the friends from Lutron to explain what to look for and how to make it happen in your house. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You were back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. We're going to dive back into... Uh, Artificial intelligence is uh, everywhere now, and especially getting into the automotive sector. To help us kind of understand how uh, AI is impacting uh, cars and auto uh, automotive, uh, we've uh, got a great guest. Uh, her name is Wendy Bauer. She's uh, Vice President of Automotive and Ma- Manufacturing over at Amazon Web Services. Thanks for joining us, Wendy. Pleasure to be here with you today, Mike. Thanks for having me. So, quick, your know, first question, how is Amazon involved with with the automotive industry. Yeah, certainly. Um, so on behalf of AWS or Amazon Web Services, um, as you mentioned, I had the privilege of leading our automotive and manufacturing business. And the automotive industry, like so many other industries, are in periods of tremendous business transformation, really throughout their entire enterprise, their product portfolio, and what they bring to market for end customers, and really the operational aspects of their business as well. Um, when we think about the automotive industry and, and how they're trying to really transform to meet end customers' needs, we see everything from drivers wanting services really tailored towards them personally, um, their personalized preferences, their driving and buying habits, um, how they spend their day and how they want to spend their time, and how they also seamlessly want to connect um, their at-home life um, or even with their professional life and how they spend their day. And also they similarly want um, experiences seamlessly like they've gotten accustomed to with a smartphone, for example. And so all of those elements of transformation really are are changing how automotive manufacturers and those who are involved with the broader industry are designing and bringing new products to customers um, and what those experiences are that can really delight customers in new ways. And so technology from AWS, we have the opportunity to really collaborate with our customers and really help drive the acceleration of bringing some of those new capabilities to market. How soon are we seeing some of these um, these new innovations? Uh, you know, AI has been around for a, a while now um, and uh, I know that it's happening, but when when can people see this happening in their cars, or is it happening now and we don't even really kind of fully comprehend it yet? Yeah, so I would say the transformation is happening today. It's it's happening around the world in many different ways. Um, our work with AWS and automotive companies, we have 
an opportunity and are collaborating with some of the world's largest auto companies around the world. For example, BMW or Stellantis or Toyota um, and these companies here and now are leveraging technologies like artificial intelligence, machine learning, the Internet of Things um, across all areas of their business, as I mentioned, from from how they are designing cars to how they are designing new and differentiated driver experiences um, and even into how they're servicing that vehicle now when you think of uh, after sales in that vehicle throughout its life cycle. So technology like those I mentioned, AI or machine learning and IoT, um, those are a lot of the capabilities AWS is really bringing um, through our cloud services to our automotive customers to really help them solve the problems um, that they're working to solve. So it is happening now, um, which is part of the excitement that we get to see every day. Is this going to add a, another expense to the cars or is it going to help reduce costs? Yeah, I think we have um, we have so many great technology use cases that we're involved in every day that are really um, helping, for example, bring down cost structure by accelerating the pace of um, software development when you talk around vehicle, vehicle software, um, the ability to scale and bring teams together and do collaborative development and speed the pace of innovation and the time to reduce the time to bring product to market, for example. Um, that's an example of, of how a technology can really bring, um, improve the, the speed and the cost of engineering into the vehicle, as an example, or how technology can be utilized inside of factory operations with vision systems that help to improve the quality um, through quality inspection, which also brings down cost um, that goes into making and manufacturing a vehicle. So there's so many use cases that really are driving a better customer experience or a better quality product or bringing the product to market faster for the end customers and at the same time are helping the automotive manufacturers or players in the industry do it in a more cost-effective manner. So we often see technology really um, bringing the best of both worlds, new new capabilities faster and at lower um, pricing, ultimately. I think a big thing uh, in the automotive industry right now has to be also the electrification of uh, vehicles. Uh, you know, Tesla, I think, has done an amazing job of really kind of driving that forward. But all the major auto, auto manufacturers in the world now are really, uh, you know, pushing hard to bring, uh, you know, their electric vehicles uh, to market. But there's all sorts of new things that we have to be aware of, uh, you know, the the electrical storage systems, the batteries uh, uh, in, in these vehicles. How is Amazon involved in, in helping that that whole side? Yeah, so when you think, um, when you start to think of topics like, you know, hearing the reference to circular manufacturing, a key use case that you just mentioned is the, the topic of electric vehicles itself. Um, certainly there's the angle, as I mentioned a, f a few moments ago, as a use case of how to bring um, design and bring a product to market faster in terms of the design of the vehicle prior to the vehicle being put out into the market for end consumers. Um, but when we start to think about EVs and the the use cases that come with those that are different that we have to collectively work together to solve, a topic is battery. There's certainly the life cycle of the battery, but now how do I think about um, servicing that battery for battery recycling? Um, how do I understand 
battery health and really improving the life of the vehicle through the use cases or how it's operating um, when it's being driven. So a lot of use cases that we see that really through technology um, with IoT and um, analytics and AI and machine learning can better understand battery health to extend the life of the vehicle, can understand the use cases that will help with the life of the vehicle from a performance perspective, but even into the manufacturing operations and how it is um, even handled. So for example, um, we have a collaboration with Northvolt, who has a commitment to running its factories on clean and renewable energy um, in the generation and, and bringing to market the battery technology that they are creating. So that's even an angle of, yes, they're bringing battery technology to support EVs, but they're also really working to improve the, the operations of their facilities to bring it even in a more sustainable we're talking with Wendy Bauer over at uh, Amazon Web Services. Uh, she's uh, the VP of the uh, the auto section uh, over there. Uh, is there a place on your website people can find out more information about some of the things that you guys are involved with? Absolutely. If you go to our um, Amazon Web Services webpage and, and click on our offerings, you'll find great use cases of the work that we are doing um, with our automotive companies, with our manufacturing companies, along as um, along with other great industries that we're serving, like healthcare and um, life sciences or telco. So the work that we are doing is really transforming, as I mentioned, many many um, industries. And automotive is certainly one that's under a lot of transformation. A lot of great things going on, and you can find more about that on our AWS website. Thanks for joining us uh, today, Wendy. Thanks for having me been a great pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you. We have a lot more to talk about on today's uh, program coming up in a, a little bit. Uh, how would you like to be able to just scan your credit card when you walk into a store, grab all the stuff and just walk out, not even have to see a cashier? Well, there's a new store in Calgary at the Saddle Dome that'll do just that for you. And we're going to talk about smart home lighting and what to look for. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here. We're going to uh, dive into smart home technology. I, I know a lot of folks out there are kind of dabbling in it. Uh, you know, they've got the Roombas. They've uh, maybe got a few smart lights, uh, maybe like an Amazon uh, Echo with the Alexa voice assistant. Well, we're going to talk uh, a little more about smart lighting today. We've got a really cool guest with us. Her name is Melissa Andresco. She's with a company called Lutron. Uh, they're one of the uh, the bigger folks out there when it comes to smart lighting. Thanks for joining us, Melissa. Thanks for having me, Mike. Great to be here. When I say you're one of the bigger guys, uh, there's a lot of kind of consumer brands uh, out there that do smart lighting, but you guys not only do consumer kind of home stuff, but you're like into big office buildings and stuff as well, right? That's right. Yeah, for, for people who might not know Lutron, we really got our start in the early 60s, believe it or not, 1961 to be exact. And started off um, making dimmers for the home. In fact, that round knob rotary dimmer that you you know probably saw in family homes growing up, that's how we got our start. And today we are a global brand that does everything from those single white dimmers that maybe aren't connected or smart, thinking will, everything up to and including controlling lights, shade, and the window and the uh, light fixtures in homes and office buildings. So we really kind of you know, run the gamut of all the available products. So I know a lot of listeners, they they have uh, probably a few maybe smart bulbs or some smart lighting. 
Uh, but there's a lot of people out there that still haven't, uh, I guess, taken that plunge. Why should people look at at smart lighting for their their home? Yeah, that's a really good question, Mike. And you know, to, like to your point about some people are dabbling. You know, I think if we take a step back, smart home. You know, for for a while, as recently as even five years ago, people were looking at smart home products as gadgets, and you know, didn't really necessarily understand the lifestyle benefits that they bring. And smart lighting is a perfect example of a smart product that is now solving a problem. And I think for for the listeners who haven't taken that leap yet into a smart home, I think we need to kind of reframe how we think about it. Think about it as, how can I make my life easier? So for example, when it comes to smart lighting, like the Lutron Caseta system, being able to you know pull up to a well-lit home. So I'm walking into a house that already has lights on or being able to randomize lights if I'm away for the night or away for the weekend to make it look like there's someone home, or being able to push a button to get my house ready for entertaining. And it's going to, you know, one button is going to adjust lights, it's going to adjust shades, it could set my music to the right level. So it's really about, in you know, making your life better, you know, and I think we get into these, um, you know, how, you know, people, everybody wants to be able to do things faster, better, you know, Time is limited. So anything that can really help make that simpler, like a smart light, you know, smart lighting and smart shades, it's just such a great addition and really easy to get started. And I think that sometimes is what people get hung up on. They don't know how to get started. I think you're right there. I, I've, I get to test the stuff because I'm kind of a nerdy guy. And I have to say over the past several years, uh, smart lighting has gotten a lot better. You know, before I thought, you know, maybe it's a little finicky, quirky. Uh, but now I think a lot of those kinks have uh, been worked out and they're compatible with much more systems as well. When you've got like the Google Home and Amazon Alexa, those things kind of tie all that uh, that stuff together. I, I do love being able to use my voice to control, you know, my smart yeah. lights, you know, just being able to walk downstairs and ask uh, Google or, you know, Alexa to turn the kitchen lights right. on or my partner's, uh, you know, night night light which you know i'm constantly because you know she falls asleep before me i'm had you know in the past i'd have to crawl over her uh <laughs> to uh you know to turn it off but now i can just you know you know lightly say hey turn off the you know um you know my partner's night light and it's just amazing and you know my family members i think at first when i was installing some of the stuff they just thought it was not great because it didn't always work uh that well but now i don't think they could live without it either it's just so convenient and, and to your point, I mean, I think, well, we'll get back to the control part in a second, but to your point about not being able to live without it, I think one of the beauties of our of the Lutron Conseda system is that you can start small and build very easily. So for your listeners who maybe haven't started that journey into smart lighting, it's very easy to get started with, you know, you can literally connect one light with the smart hub, and that's going to give you that control from your phone, your, you know, your app, your voice, or right at the, the wall. But then once you have one light, you're like, okay, let's add a few more. Let's add a few more. And before you know it, you know, you're controlling all the key areas throughout your home. And to your point about not having to crawl over your partner, one of the things Lushan really prides itself on is that we give consumers choice. You know, maybe using your voice isn't always appropriate. You don't want to wake up your partner. So at a time like that, you could just reach over hit a button on the Pico remote and it's going to turn the light off or you could open up your app and do it from there or you could do it you know right at the right at the switch or the dimmer itself so 
you know, we've really thought through all the different ways that consumers might want to control their lights. And, you know, Lutron Caseta is the most connected smart lighting brand. So to your point, if you've got, you know, Google Home, if you've got Apple HomeKit, Amazon Alexa, you know, Samsung SmartThings, you're going to be able to go through and, and you know, use, use Caseta with all those products as well as, you know, Sonos Speaker. So just gives you so much flexibility. And, and again, just those multiple points of control. Um, so, you know, no matter what the situation is, you'll, you'll have a, a good solution. You brought up a good point about the multiple points of control. Like I like using my voice. Some of my family members, they still like hitting the switch on the wall. Uh, my wife loves the little remotes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which, which I was, I was surprised. So you've got like the little Pico remote, you call it, right? That's right. And you know, the Pico, you know, we always, we, we joke and we call it the power of the Pico, but it really is an amazing addition to any, you know, Lutron Cassette assistant. It essentially gives you a point of control anywhere. You don't have to wire it. It comes with, you know, an, an extended battery life. You can mount it to the wall. You could have it on a little pedestal, you know, next to your bed, on a coffee table. And it's just going to give you that additional point of control. And, you know, for people who maybe have, uh, you know, want to add an additional you know, touch point in a, in a larger room, but maybe they only have a switch, you know, by the, by the door and they want one by the bed, you know, very easy to add and, and super affordable. And, you know, you just mentioned the, the new, um, we just came out with a new style of, of Pico. So we, we just offer a lot of variety when it comes to the Pico as well. But I think it's, is really the killer app for the, for the Caseta system because it, you know, it just makes it so simple. I love the fact that, um, you know, in the past, if I, you know, had a larger room and I wish I had a, a light switch on, you know, one of the other sides or by another door, you know, I'd have to call an electrician in and they'd wire a whole new light switch in there. And now you can just get these remotes that kind of stick on the wall. Or even worse, you'd have to argue with your partner about who's going to get out of bed to go over to the door and control the light. <laughs> no, exactly. So you... So yeah. You can just, add, yeah, I mean, it's it's no literally no wiring. I mean, I could hold one in my hand and, you know, no wires whatsoever. It's battery powered. And so, you know, there's different types of switches. Uh, you guys kind of had a unique look uh, to your, uh, your switches, but you've also got kind of the traditional paddle now as well that you see in a lot of homes. That's right. Yeah. The traditional, you know, the Lutron Diva dimmer, which is to your point that that traditional, very recognizable paddle switch type uh, product. Um, it's been a, a fan favorite for, for decades. And, you know, the fact that we now use that style as one of our offerings for Caseta, you know, cause you know, not people typically don't use Caseta on every single light in their home. You know, Caseta is typically found in your main living areas, your hallways, your outdoor lights. So you may have a, a powder room that already has a diva dimmer in it. And now you can match the look throughout your home by using the, the Diva Smart style for Caseta. So again, it's really about giving consumers that choice. And, um, you know, we're all about listening to what our customers have to say in terms of feedback. And I think this is one, one great example of giving customers that coordinated look. And so your new thing is that the Pico Paddle remote, correct? Yeah. Yes. So it's going to match that same style, that Diva style smart dimmer, uh, smart switch, you know, the, the Pico now comes in that same style. So you can have that coordinated look from your dimmers, your switches, your Pico, and and then your non-Caseta products as well. Because, you know, the, again, the Diva comes in a non-connected version, if you will. So you can really have that coordinated look throughout the entire space. What I did 
too, in, in a couple places in some of uh, the hallways, I put little motion sensors in, which was, was great, right? So at, at night now, when someone's walking down that hallway, it'll just automatically turn on uh, whatever light is in there. That's great. Yeah. And it, that's great for guests, too. I mean, I think that's one of the things that Luchon really prides itself on. You know, the, the company founder, Joel Spira, he always talked about designing products from the outside in. And what he meant by that was, you know, the products need to be as user-friendly and beautiful as they are, you know, technical. So, you know, he wants your five-year-old grandson, your 75-year-old parent, your 95-year-old grandmother to all be able to look at that product and say, okay, I know how to turn on my lights. I'm going to push here and you just know. And it's, you know, it's got a beautiful, clean aesthetic to it. And so again, you know, it's, it's just really about giving customers that choice and, um, you know, making sure that, you know, to your point, if it's the motion sensor or, you know, they had to turn the lights on, there won't be any kind of confusion. We've been talking with Melissa Andresco. She is from Lutron, uh, talking all about uh, smart lighting for your home. Try it out. Get started. You don't have to outfit the entire home. You can get uh, going with uh, a couple of those uh, switches and You'll be uh, surprised at how convenient they are. Uh, Melissa, where can people find out uh, more information about uh, Lutron and some of the stuff you guys have? I think the the best place to start, you can find Lutron on social media, but if you go to Lutron.com and from there you can go to the Caseda website, you could learn more about our Serena Smart Shades that work with Caseda and just kind of really understand where to get started. And, And again, if you need help installing, help is always a phone call away. Caseda is also a very easy DIY project as well. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Mike. When we come back from the break, a little more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Uh, Exciting news in uh, the world of uh, tech and retail stores. I've talked about this in the past. Uh, Amazon has these uh, uh, cool stores down in the U.S. and this technology that allow you to scan uh, a credit card, for example, or in some cases your palm that uh, once you're scanned in, you can basically go into the store and just grab everything you want and walk out. There's no cashiers. It just knows through sensors and cameras what you are basically taking while you're shopping and then just uh, uh, takes that off your account. Well, they've opened up one of these uh, these stores in Canada, in Calgary, uh, to help us uh, learn more. We've got John Jenkins from Amazon. Thanks for joining us, John. Thanks. It's great to be here. So the technology, again, is called just walk out. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. They're called, yeah, just walk out stores or just walk out technology. And uh, they all kind of work the same way, just like you described. Uh, There'll be a gate at the entrance to the store. You tap your credit card or tap your mobile wallet on that gate. Uh, You'll enter the store and then just shop like you would at any sort of normal store. Uh, There's some cameras on the ceiling and some sensors in the shelves that will figure out what you're taking off and putting back on the shelves. And then when you leave through the exit gate of the store, uh, it'll charge you correctly for the things that you took. So is this an Amazon store or is this a retail partner you're working with? Uh, This is a retail partner. So we offer the Just Walk Out technology as a service, just like any of the other AWS services to people who own and operate stores so they can incorporate it into their stores and create this experience. I I find it fascinating because I've tried this technology a few times. Uh, You know, I'm in Vancouver. I've gone down to Seattle. Uh, You know, you've got the Amazon uh, store down there. And I've tried everything to try to fool it. Um, and it's it's precise. It, I could not fool it any of the time. Like I 
you know, I don't know what kind of magic you have in those cameras and sensors, but it is uh, amazing. Even like the the sensors in the uh, in the shelves for small items, it is uh, it, it is so precise, and I'm just blown away by how accurate it is. Well, you know, the thing that we understand is that people want their receipts to be correct when they shop at a store. That's super important to them. And so we've gone to great lengths to make sure that the technology is capable of accurately figuring out what a person actually took from the store. Uh, so use, as you said, cameras on the ceilings, sensors in the shelves, and, and there's a technology called sensor fusion that sort of blends the signals from the cameras and the sensors together to determine the reality of what happened in that store. Uh, and it's awesome because you can offer almost any type of selection that you'd expect, like tiny little things like packs of gum, um, big things like 12 packs of Coke, uh, floral bouquets, all kinds of other stuff. Uh, but the common theme is you can get in and out of these stores really fast without having to wait in line. So tell me about the the store in Calgary. Where Where is it located? What's the name of it if people want to try this out? Yeah. Uh, so the store in Calgary is located in the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Um, and that's where the uh, the flames are, the Calgary Flames play. Um, and customers who go there will be able to shop a selection of you know, drinks and snack foods, uh, and get right back to the game very quickly. Um, you know, when you're at the Saddle Dome, right, you're there to see a, a hockey game, right? You're not there to spend line, spend time waiting in line in a store. And so, if we can get you back to that seat as quickly as possible, um, it makes you enjoy that game a heck of a lot more. That's an interesting point you you made uh, made there. Uh, from your experience so far, you've you've tried this technology in your stores and I guess other retail partners. Uh, how much faster is it to, to go in and shop and, and get out of the store? Do you have any stats on that? Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great observation. Like some of our, one of my favorite anecdotes is that, uh, you know, we've had customers post YouTube videos online where they show themselves getting in and out of the store in under 10 seconds. Um, <laughs> and that's pretty amazing that you get, you know, a beverage at a stadium in under 10 seconds. Uh, and so at Market 213 at the Saddle Dome, they're going to be able to do this exact same thing that they, they do here in the U.S. I was at the the Flames game here in Seattle last night at uh, Climate Pledge Arena. Um, and I love the ability to know that if there's a stoppage in play, I can get up to the store and get back to my seat before play resumes. It's a good point. Like I, I've been to some of these sporting events uh, in the past and you want to go uh, and, and get like a, you know, a Coke or, or something. And you were waiting forever in line sometimes. You know what I mean? Like you're missing, you know, chunks of the uh, the game. So being able to get in and out within like 10, 20 seconds is, uh, is amazing. Well, in that waiting in line, it, it costs the retailers money, right? Um, so if you see that line in the concourse, you're like, well, I'm not going to stand in line for, for a drink because I want to get back to my seats. And so where we've deployed this technology, um, a good example would be like um, Lumen Field here where the NFL team, uh, the Seahawks play in Seattle. You know, they saw a 100% increase in sales at that store from after, before and after we deployed Just Walk Out. And that's because people know they can get in and out of the store quickly, buy the things they want and get back to their seats. So I, I got to ask the question, like, can this scale? Like typically the stores that I've seen so far are smaller in, in nature. Are we going to see this in larger grocery stores? I know Amazon, you, you know, you folks own Whole Foods, for example, which is like a big grocery store. Can it work in, in those types of locations? Uh, I guess not only can it work, it already does work. So you okay, can sorry. Out technology deployed to a couple Whole Foods stores here in the U.S. Um, and as well as our own Amazon Fresh branded stores here in the U.S. Um, in Seattle, there's a 40,000 square foot grocery store, um, which is like a full size, large grocery store. 
offering every bit of selection you would ever expect in a grocery store from like a hot food salad bar to slices of pizza to a deli counter um, to everything else you would find in a supermarket, all sold with the Just Walk Out technology without having to wait in line. Some people are concerned because I've told them about, you know, this type of technology and, you know, where the future is going with retailing. And there's no question it's going down this road. They're worried about job losses. Uh, you know, we don't have cashiers anymore. There's lots of self-checkout. They're concerned about that human interaction, uh, you know, in their in their shopping experience. Yeah, that's a, a great observation, a great question. You're going to still find humans in these just walkout stores. They're just doing different things than they do in a traditional store. Instead of being stuck behind a cash register, those store associates are out among the people in the store, talking to them about what they want to buy, restocking shelves. I mean, you can imagine that, you know, if a store is selling twice as much stuff, um, you know, you still need people to put stuff back on those shelves. And so the people in these stores are just doing different things than they were before, but um, still, still they're manned for sure. And so... Uh, again, this is a, uh, a retailer that's using the technology. Like how much goes into actually making this work? Like how long does it take to retrofit a, you know, a small store like this? Uh, yeah, we can bring up the stores relatively quickly. So um, if you have an existing retail space, we just need to come in and deploy some extra technology to that space. So we don't need to completely rebuild the space. Um, in other scenarios, um, if a stadium wants to create new retail space, we have effectively what we call store kits that you can bring in. They're prefabricated and set them up really quick to get up and running. We're talking with John Jenkins uh, from Amazon about their uh, Just Walk Out technology. Uh, It is uh, being used in a new store in uh, Calgary. Uh, What's it called again, John? Uh, The the store in Calgary is Market 213. And at the Saddle Dome. So uh, instead of missing any of the game, you can just kind of run in there and uh, run out with your purchase. Obviously, after scanning in your <laughs> your card or your phone, right? Yep. But, uh, you know, after you scan in, if you want to run out, it's totally okay to run out of the store and get back to your seat with what, what you bought. Well, uh, I'm sure Calgarians are uh, going to be excited to uh, test that technology out. I want to really thank you for joining us on the program today, John. Yeah, uh, looking forward to experiencing myself next time I'm at the Saddle Dome. That's all the time we have left for uh, the program this week. I want to thank all the folks that helped put the uh, show together. Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. All of our uh, radio shows and the associated podcasts are up there. You can also check out uh, my uh, videos and global news segments uh, as well. This is Mike Agarbo logging off. We'll see you again next time.